Brian and I are standing in front of one of the many veterans memorials that we find around our community. This one designed by one of the members of our congregation, Bob Donderville. A number of years ago, I was at Auschwitz concentration camp where American service people discovered horrific scenes. People had died, people were dying, and people were gonna die yet who were concentration camp inmates. Our people, your people and my people, went in and liberated them and, and through their faithfulness to our nation's call to provide liberty and freedom, regardless of their religion, those people provided great faithfulness to allow the inmates to live. It's those sorts of acts of bravery that caused our nation to be the nation we are today. So as we think about faithfulness and the faithfulness of our good God who has brought us from generation to generation to our very own this day, the word of the Lord, Psalm 36. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. Your righteousness, it's like the highest mountains. Your justice, like the great deep. Your love, Lord, it reaches to the heavens and it's your faithfulness to the skies. Good morning, it's great to be here with you this morning. My name is Jonathan, and I wanna welcome you here in the West Auditorium, and everybody worshiping with us online, and everybody worshiping with us in the East Auditorium as well. It's so good to be with you today on this Memorial Day weekend. And I wanna invite you to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 10. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10, or your Bible app, we're gonna be there in just a few moments. Um, so today we are continuing a series called Proverbs, The Art of Living Wisely. And throughout this series, we have looked at the wisdom, the godly wisdom that is in the book of Proverbs and what God has to say on a number of topics and what it means for us to align our lives with his words. And so today, uh, we're gonna look at another one of those topics. Today, we're gonna look about the things that we say. In other words, what does God have to say about the power of our words in the book of Proverbs? And so before we get there, uh, many of you may know uh, that prior to being a pastor here at FCC, I was a youth pastor in Michigan for quite a while, and each summer, uh, we would take our students on a mission trip, much like the mission trip that here our students at FCC will be taking in a few weeks. And so uh, one particular year, I'm, I'm driving a van of guys that I knew really well, and they knew each other really well, and they knew that as we were going on this mission trip, I needed to tell them something they did not wanna hear. Uh, because there was a student in our ministry, we're gonna call him Ross, and uh, no offense to any Rosses in the room, it's just the name I picked, uh, but Ross was one of those really super intelligent kids 
but he was also a young man who uh, was one of those extra grace required type of people, if you know what I mean. And so I knew that when I told them Ross was gonna be jumping, joining our work crew, uh, that they were not gonna be super thrilled about that. And so I'm driving along and I just say, hey guys, listen, Ross is gonna be a part of our work crew this week. And instantly they burst into whining and complaining, saying things like, Ross is such a dork, why do we have to have him on our team? And I'm getting really frustrated, right? because this is not a great way to talk about things and, and not probably how we should be behaving on a, on a mission trip. And so I start to say, hey guys, listen. You know, hey guys, listen. And they just keep getting louder and louder and louder. And what I should have said was, hey guys, listen. You know, this is not the right way to be talking. Like, we should welcome Ross in. We want him to be a part of our team. It's gonna be a great thing. Uh, but in a moment of frustration, um, I began to shout, which is mistake number one. And mistake number two was that I began to talk without thinking about what I wanted to say. So rather than saying what I wanted to say, what I did say was, hey guys, you're right, Ross is a huge dork, but you know what? It's good. And it didn't matter anything else I said because immediately they burst into laughter. The only good thing was they were no longer making fun of Ross, they were now making fun of me and my insensitivity. In fact, this came up several years later. I remember a couple different times we were having serious conversations with this group of guys you know, about God and what it means to our lives, and one of them would say, you know, I just really wanna say something right now. Yeah, what's, what's up, man, what do you wanna say? Guys, Ross is a huge dork. <laughs> and then one of them wrote me a really nice letter when he graduated just talking about his time in the youth group, and at the bottom he put, P.S., Ross is a huge dork. And so today, we are gonna talk about godly wisdom, something obviously I need to hear more about. And so uh, the question for us today is, do we want our words to be wise words? Do we want them to be aligned with who God has called us to be? Or do we wanna live as fools and, and be pulled away from the things of God? And so before we get into what we're gonna talk about today, I wanna remind us why the book of Proverbs is so incredibly important to our understanding of wisdom. You see, the author of this book was a man named Solomon, King Solomon, who lived about 1,000 years before Jesus and God gave Solomon extraordinary wisdom. In fact, we read in 1 Kings chapter three that when Solomon was a young man, God came to him in a dream and said, Solomon, ask me for whatever you would like and I will give it to you. And this is what Solomon said. 1 Kings three, verses eight and nine, he said, your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And so Solomon asked God for discernment and God actually gives it to him, at least sort of. Check out what happens next. It says, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And the main lesson here is that if God comes to you, to, comes to you in a dream and asks you to ask for whatever you want, you should ask for discernment because with the bonus gifts of wealth and honor. It's basically like an infomercial, you buy one thing, you get some other things, it's great. <laughs> Also, just a piece of advice, don't ask God to kill your enemies. Apparently, that's not gonna go well for you. Uh, what is important for us to remember in all seriousness, though, is that 
Solomon wasn't the average Joe. God had given him incredible wisdom and Solomon spent his life collecting this wisdom and collecting this insight so that he could pass it on to future generations of people who follow God, including us, to teach us how to, to be wise with the words that we have. And Solomon understood the weight of what he was writing because if we go back to the very beginning of Proverbs, we read these words. This is Solomon saying, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Why? For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. And then he kind of concludes this way. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so Solomon's premise is pretty simple. He says, God gave this to me and I wanna share it with you. And then your choice is to either take this seriously or to live, as he said, as fools who despise wisdom and instruction. Solomon's offer to you and I is simple. Follow his instructions and live a better life, the kind of life that God has called us to live. And so with that in mind, I wanna explore a few key passages today from the book of Proverbs that teach us, as Solomon intended, about using words wisely and about using our ways, words in the ways that God has intended us to use them. And so the first principle I wanna talk about today is found in Proverbs 10, which you should be turned to at this point. In verse 19, it says this, sin is not ended by multiplying words but the prudent hold their tongues. Another version puts it this way pretty plainly. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Solomon argues that when it comes to the way we use our words, that less is often more. And I know some of you are thinking like, that's great news, Pastor Jonathan, because I'm hungry. Um, And if, if less is often more and that's wise, maybe you should take a hint and make this sermon a little shorter today. Not gonna promise anything. Uh, What I do know is that uh, scripture is pretty clear about this concept, but we also have some sayings in our culture that you're probably familiar with that kind of say the same thing. And so I want you to to finish these statements with me. If you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at? Good, well done, A plus. What about the next one? Okay, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all? Awesome. I was talking with one of our pastors about this the other day. He said, you know, I've never heard that second one. And I said, well, it's possible that people are saying it about you (laughs) rather than to you. And uh, as we we talk today, I wanna be mindful. There are certainly times that we need to speak up. There are certainly times that we need to open our mouths. But far more often, we need to heed the words of Solomon to hold our tongues and to be sensible and keep our mouths shut. See, as these verses indicate, the more we talk, the more prone we are to sinning. Very practically, the more we talk, the more prone we are to lying, to gossip, to slander, bragging, insults, flattery, and unkept promises. Truly, our words often pull us down sinful paths. And we know this. We know that we're prone to sinning in these ways in our face-to-face interactions. But thanks to technology, we are able to sin in these ways in a variety of additional ways now, whether it's our favorite news network, or Facebook, or Twitter, or Snapchat, or text messages. Today, we can send faster, more carelessly, and further reaching than any generation in history with our words. Let me say that again. Today, we can send with our words faster, more carelessly, and further reaching than any generation in history. And we love technology, right? But it makes me wonder, 
are we really that much smarter, kinder, more compassionate, or truthful than previous generations? Let me put it a different way. Um, I, I recently discovered that Facebook was born in October of 2003. So right now, Facebook is 18 years old. It's an adult, right? And we need to ask ourselves, are we really that much better today thanks to the gift of social media than we were 18 years ago? In the book of Ecclesiastes, another book attributed to Solomon, we read these words. It says, the more the words, the less the meaning. And how does that profit anyone? The more the words, the less the meaning. And how does that profit anyone? And so what do we do with this concept that less is often more? Well, I think there's really a very simple one word answer, and that word is silence. Okay, that was awkward, so we're gonna move on. Uh, See, silence is a powerful thing. And throughout church history, church leaders and pastors have pointed out how important the spiritual discipline of silence is in our lives, how it's something that we can engage in that draws us closer to God. See, silence, it brings balance to life. It connects us to God, it brings down noise. It lets us think, and it even keeps us from sinning, as these verses indicate, with our words. And you know, silence takes the form of sitting quietly with God, something that we all need, but sometimes silence takes another form. And for me, in 2019, silence took the form of just completely stepping away from social media. <clears throat> and I know some of you are thinking, like, you can do that? That's, like, allowed and you can survive? Yes, you can, just so you know. Um, but what I realized is I, I looked at my life as I thought about the impact of social media in my life. I found myself feeling anxious, angry, and jealous on a fairly regular basis. And I realized that not only was I allowing those things into my life, but I was inviting them into my life through the avenue of social media. And so I just completely stepped away. And uh, some three very important things happened and after I made that decision. First of all, I realized um, I was kind of embarrassed by how often I went to click on an icon that was no longer on my phone. I was like, oh yeah, that's not there anymore. And I thought I was a casual social media user. I think I, the first day I probably did that 20 times. The second thing that I realized is just how much joy and peace had kind of faded from my life in the previous months and how in just a few days of being away from all of that, how much joy and peace came back. And the third thing that I realized is as I was closing my accounts, I kind of read through some of the things that I had posted over the years. And first of all, I was surprised by how much of it sounded angry. And I was also surprised um, by the things that I had spent so much time crafting, you know, very specifically how little meaning they actually had. And so I know some of you are thinking like, okay, the point of today's sermon is that we should all quit social media. No, I'm not saying that. I don't think social media is either a good thing or a bad thing. But what I do think is that we need to take seriously the words of Solomon. We need to remember that too much talk leads to sin, to be sensible and to keep our mouths shut, to think about the words that we speak and the words that we type, and we need to think about the importance of silence in our life, whether that's silence with God or removing something from our lives that is keeping us from being silent as well. We need to remember that less is often more. So the first principle that we could take from the book of Proverbs when it comes to our words is that less is often more. The second one we find in chapter 12, verse 18, and it simply says this. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. In other words, second principle, words cut. 
And we know this to be true because we've, many of us have experienced this in our own lives. And for some of us, those words just play over and over again in our heads and they continue to draw us away from who God has called us to be and what he has called us to be. Words like, you'll never amount to anything. You're never gonna change. I wish you could be more like so-and-so. Or, you know, I, I never loved you. If we're not careful, we allow words like that to shape us and we allow them to keep us from becoming who God is called to be. And again, while there are several biblical references to this, there's one again in our culture that I think we all know, so let's say this one together. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never. You guys did great. That's the last one, A plus for everyone, okay? And the great thing about this saying is that I've just found it to be so true in the lives of absolutely nobody. And in fact, I'd like to propose a counterstatement today. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can devastate me and leave lasting wounds that never seem to heal and haunt me for years. Now, it's not quite as snappy as the other saying, um, but it's, it's probably a little more true. In fact, I've made bumper stickers. They'll be available in Mosaic Kev. No, I'm just kidding. That's not, not at all true. As I was thinking about this, I had this uh, memory pop in my head of when I think I was like eight or nine years old. Uh, summer day, I was playing outside with my neighbor, which I almost never did, and you'll see why in a moment. Um, and I, I don't know if uh, like we were just bored or we thought like a little danger would improve our situation, or maybe we were just really dumb, possible. Um, but we decided to have a rock fight. Well, <laughs> there was like a visible gasp in the room, yeah. Uh, and I know you're thinking like, maybe that's not what it sounds like. No, we just picked up rocks and whipped them at each other for no reason. Um, and I don't remember really getting hit, probably because I'm so agile and stealthy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nor do I remember uh, hitting anyone with a rock, but what I do remember is we had this wooden fence it was kind of on the edge of our yard, and I kept remember, I, hear, I remember hearing rocks hit that fence and just the sound they would make, and kind of thinking as even an eight or nine-year-old, like, man, I bet that would hurt. And then I just picked up another rock and chucked it at my neighbor again. Um, quick disclaimer for anybody who's younger in the room, uh, rock fights are a bad idea. Do not go home today and tell your grandparents or your friends or your neighbor, like, hey, we should have a rock fight. Don't do it, it's not good. In fact, throwing rocks in general is not a great thing. Basically check any sitcom ever, it doesn't go well, okay? Um, but the point of this is if I had to choose today between having a rock fight with some of you or getting lit up by the words of somebody else, I would choose neither. But if I had to choose, I would probably choose the rock fight because words are powerful and they can leave deep wounds. This is not a difficult concept for us to understand. If you remember the last time somebody hurt you deeply, Odds are it was something that they said to you that started the wound. And if we can have a minute of vulnerability, if you remember the last time you hurt someone else, odds are it was something that you said to them that started the wound. I mean, think about these kinds of conversations. Maybe it's a parent or a friend or a sibling or a coach or somebody at some point says something to you and it cuts deep and it just rattles around in your brain for years. Or maybe there's somebody in your life who was just incredibly insecure and they said something to you very hateful just to make themselves feel better for a short season. Or maybe it's small words because small words can have an incredible impact. You know, especially in our elementary years or our junior high years, somebody says something to us like a third grader says, hey, you're fat or you're ugly or you're stupid and it just sticks with us for a very long time. As Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, the words of the reckless pierce like swords. And I just wanna take a minute to acknowledge that many of us here today, many of us online, 
have, had, have been negatively impacted by the words of another. But sometimes those things just get stuck in our heads and they impact the way that we think about ourselves, the way that we think about our lives. And so if you're hearing this today and you're carrying around the wound of words from somebody else or really any wound, we just want you to know that we would love to talk with you, to pray with you, to listen to you. And, and really, if needed, we have a great relationship with some counselors here in our community who we'd be happy to connect you with. And so if that's you, please do reach out. We'd love to talk with you. And so we're aware that words hurt, um, but there's good news because there's a flip side to that as well. In fact, let's go back to the verse that we've been talking about for the last few minutes, Proverbs 12, verse 18, because we've really only read the first half. This is what it actually says. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. In other words, words heal. Third principle for today, words heal. Yes, words cut, but words can also heal. Words like, I love you, I'm proud of you, I believe in you, I'm for you, God is for you. And so to further drive home this point, later in the book of Proverbs, Solomon writes these words, Proverbs 16, verse 24. He says, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. In other words, this word gracious is translated as pleasant or kind. And when we see the image of a honeycomb or honey in the Bible, yes, it's referring to sweetness. Yes, it's referring to the medicinal properties of a honeycomb, but it's also referring to God's provision and goodness. So what this verse is really saying is that pleasant, kind, and gracious words, they can bring restoration to the soul and to the body, and they may even be a gift from God. And again, we know this. Uh, for many of us, we've had moments in our lives where it just seems like things are falling apart, things, you know, we don't know what to do, we're, we're frustrated, we're stressed out, and just at the right moment, somebody walks in with just the right words to speak life into our lives. And so with that in mind, I came across a saying a few years ago that's meant a lot to me. I wanna share it with you, and it's just simply this. What if we assumed that everyone we encountered today needed our encouragement? What if we assume that everyone here today, everyone we encounter at home, wherever we go throughout the day needed our encouragement? And just to be fair, since I've already railed on social media too much probably, I did find this on Twitter, full disclosure, okay? <laughs> but when I read this, um, it messed with me, and it's messed with me a variety of days since, because I realized that we are prone to talk about ourselves, to think about ourselves, think about our hurts and our pains, but there's a world full of people out there who need gracious kind and pleasant words? And what if God even used those words to bring healing to their souls? Proverbs 18, 21 very simply puts it this way. The tongue has the power of life and death. In other words, what we say or what we, can, or what we write, it can give life or it can take life away. And I love the way Pastor Craig Rochelle explains this. This is what he says. He says, the potency of godly words can revive heal and change our lives. Ungodly words have the power to bind, imprison, and destroy. He goes on to, to kind of flesh this out. He says, creative words create. Destructive words destroy. Hurtful words crush, but helpful words build up. Toxic words are poison, and soothing words heal. Faith-filled words bring life, and faithless words bring death. So as I was writing this sermon, I was sitting in a local restaurant here in town, 
uh, kind of sitting in the back by the, the pickup window. And by the way, when you're uh, writing a sermon on the power of words, you start to listen to the words of others in a different way. And I know some of you are thinking like, isn't that eavesdropping? And all I would say is eavesdropping and sermon research are a very fine line between the two, okay? Um, but here, here's what I noticed. Yes, I noticed the negative things people said. I mean, that happens all the time everywhere we go. But what I really honed in on is the few people who went out of their way to speak life into the lives of others. And so one particular day I was there, I, there was an a, uh, employee there who just seemed to be having a really rough day. And a customer walked in and she started talking to this employee. She just asked her how she was doing and I didn't really hear what happened after that, but it, a couple minutes went by and then I just heard the customer say, hey, you're awesome and I hope you have a really great day. And she left. And I just noticed that those few words had a tremendous impact on the trajectory of this employee's day. And you know, as followers of Christ, we are called to take God's wisdom seriously, to apply it to our lives, to live in accordance with it. And if these words are true, I know we're never gonna get them perfect. Believe me, I know. <laughs> um, we're never gonna get them perfect. Um, but it made me wonder, shouldn't we be known as people who speak life? It made me wonder, am I someone who is known for speaking life? Are we people who are known for speaking life? Are we known as people who speak pleasant, kind, and gracious words and bring healing like a honeycomb? Or are we known as people who allow our words to pierce the lives of others like a sword? Now, I wanna be clear about something. Um, I am not just saying today that we should all just be nice people. Yes, we should be nice people, but we shouldn't only be nice people affirming everything all the time in everyone's lives. Truly, Scripture calls us to be people who call one another out, particularly when it comes to our brothers and sisters in Christ, by the way. So even when we correct one another, even when that's the right thing to do, we need to do that in a way that speaks life. And I love the way the Apostle Paul explains this. He wrote a whole bunch of things in the New Testament that we have today. One of those is a letter to the church in Ephesus, and he writes this letter to these people to encourage them to be mature believers to walk in a way that reflects to others the maturity that they have in Christ. And so in Ephesians 4, 14 to 15, we, we read these words. Paul says, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here or there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ Jesus. In other words, there are times that as followers of Jesus, we absolutely need to speak the truth, but we need to do that in a loving way. And to me, it seems that more often than not, those of us who are willing to speak the truth do it with the tact of a bulldozer, and that only inflicts more harm. And what God has called us to, as people who love one another, who wanna help one another be mature, is to speak truth and to speak life into the lives of one another. And so as we think about the ideas today that, that less is often more, that words cut and words heal, I wanna leave us with one more passage from the book of James. Um, James, who wrote this letter, he, he was not only the half-brother of Jesus, which is pretty cool, but he was also a leader and a pastor in Jerusalem in the early church. And he knew well the power of words. And, and the book of Proverbs, which we've talked about throughout this series, is in the Old Testament. James is sometimes referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament because he speaks with such wisdom and in such a succinct way. And so I wanna close today uh, with, by looking at a passage from the book of James that talks about the power of our tongues. 
In James 3, verses three through 10, it says this. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. So what James is saying to his church and to us today is that as followers of Jesus, we have a choice. We could be people who speak blessings or cursings. We can be people who honor God with our lips, both the things that we say and the things that we type, or we can allow that to be used for evil. We can be people whose words are like a honeycomb that, that gives life and restoration and may even be used by God to bring healing. Or we can allow them to be a sword swinging around carelessly in the lives of others. <clears throat> and so with all that in mind today, we wanna take just a couple moments here to, to sit in the silence of this moment, to reflect, to spend time with God talking about those things. And, and maybe for you today, God is saying, hey, you need to take this silence thing seriously. Whether that's a recommitment to spending more time with him or it's a commitment to get rid of something in your life that is keeping you from being silent with God. Or maybe he's saying to you, to me, you know what, you need to lean into my spirit and to be a person who speaks life, who speaks words that heal rather than words that cut. Or maybe there's something else that God is saying to you. And so here in the next moments, um, we're going to just sit in the quiet of the, the band playing behind us to read God's words that we've talked about today on the screens and really reflect and pray. And so let's do that together for a few moments and then I will come back up and close us in prayer.
Let me close this in prayer. God, as we've already talked about today, as we've already sung about today, Lord, we know that, God, you spoke creation into existence, everything that we are and everything that we know, Lord, you, you spoke that into existence. And Lord, we know that, that Jesus came and we called him the word, Lord, and that you've given us your written word, Lord, full of the words, the inspired words that you've given other people. God, words have incredible value. And Lord, we know that in, in those words, Lord, you've called us to be people who speak life, to be people who speak healing rather than cutting. And so God, I pray for anybody here today who's been <clears throat> deeply impacted by the words of another. God, that they would reach out, Lord, that we would be able to be a, a physical extension of your love and your care in that situation. God, we pray for healing in their lives. <clears throat> and God, I pray for the rest of us as we, as we think about, Lord, the words that we say, the words that we use, the words that we type. Lord, help us to, to be conscious of uh, the fact that each word it really can be used for life or for death. God, thank you for the times that you uh, show us grace when we get that wrong. And Lord, help us to become more like what you've called us to be every day. In Jesus' name, amen.